Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Thank you. Come on, can you just give Jesus just a, a praise that reflects your love and gratitude for him? Come on, we worship you, Jesus. You're the reason why we're here. We praise you. We give you the glory alone. In Jesus' name. Hey, are you happy to be at church today? Before you sit, I, I just want to say it's such an honor to be here. I really do love your pastors. I love this church. You know, the first time I came to this church, I was 11 years old. And Pastor John had a wicked mustache <laughs> and hair. And... Uh, and I was a child, and, and uh, that was with a previous senior pastor, and then I preached here a few years ago. You know, nine years ago, I sat in an office, and I shared the vision of Favor Church. It wasn't that at the time, but what it would become with Pastor John and Lois. And your church actually supported us, our family, and our church for, I think, the first four, the first four years that we were in the Philippines. It's because of you, my children ate food. And so uh, I just really want to thank you. We really, really love your church. Uh, uh, pastor Lowe, it's great to see you here. But I love your pastors. I think, you know, there was a generational change in the church that we took over in Brisbane. It was my parents' church. And we now oversee the leadership of that. And one of the things my dad said to me, which I loved, is as he handed the church on, he said, this church needs to be better in the future than it's ever been in the past. And when I walk in here today, I have a sense that this church is better in the future than it ever has been in the past. And that's never to dishonor the past at all. The past is what got us here right now, but the past is the, it's just the, the foundation that we then build upon. And I'm telling you, Encompass, the best days are ahead. The best day, your campus that nobody knows the address to, do you know why? Because you don't have a church building for it. Y'all need to raise money and build a church building for wherever that campus is so you can learn where the address is. The best days are coming ahead for this church. And I really believe it. And so it's a real honor to be here. Thank you guys for being here. I did mean what I said, and we have talked, and it's been wonderful. And I, I just count it a real privilege to be here. Come on, you can grab your seats. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you're beautiful. Man, I, I feel like I'm at home. There's barely any white people here. This is fantastic. Uh, for those of you that don't know me or don't know who I am and maybe go, wow, that was a racist start. I'm not racist at all. I... Um, I'm half Australian and half New Zealander, uh, and I was born in the Philippines, and my parents were missionaries there. I spent about 11 years of my childhood there. Uh, until the age of about four and a half, I thought I was brown. Uh, I was devastated when I found out I was white. I thought, I'm never going to dance, never going to sing properly. I won't be able to dunk a basketball, and, uh, you know, neither can the Filipinos, so it's fine. But uh, I, I was devastated. I used to talk like a Filipino. I, I thought I was brown. I'd be like, hello, Paul. Hello, good morning, how are you? I'm fine. <laughs> so I had that accent until I went to an American international school. So that's why I have an American accent, but I promise you I'm Australian. My dad's from Newcastle. <laughs> G'day, mate, how you going? Right, so I'm Aussie. I promise you I'm, I am Australian, and I, and I am a New Zealander as well. And I am a, I'm a child of God, and so I'm everything. And, uh, and so just over eight years ago, uh, my wife and I, we moved to the Philippines. I think I got a photo of my family so that you can see them. That's, that is a, is a stretched version of my family. 
and my wife is really just amazing. She's flown up last night. She was with me this week in Melbourne. She flew up to preach in our Brisbane location. But my eldest daughter, her name is Hope. She's nine years old. My middle daughter, her name is Sienna, Cece. Uh, she's seven. And my son, uh, he's five and a half, uh, and he's teaching me the love of Christ. He is just, <laughs> he is, he is, you know, I'm about to preach on sowing and reaping, and oh boy, am I reaping what I sowed. So his name, his name is Aslan, and uh, I love it. Like, and I'm not a big C.S. Lewis fan. Like, I'm not like Narnia, right? Uh, and my wife, I had to convince my, I really wanted to call my son Lion, uh, but his middle name is James after me because, you know, that's what we do. We name our seed after us so we can continue living beyond ourselves. And so I, I wanted to call him Lion. I just really felt Lion, Lion. But then I started thinking about, can you imagine on his wedding day? Do you line James Ayton? And so I got too much pride to do that to myself. So I'm thinking, man, I'm in the shower one day praying, and I just feel like Aslan pops in my head. And I'm, I, go to the, I go to the Internet, and I'm like, is there anybody famous named Aslan? Like, of course, other than Aslan, the lion. And so I had to convince my wife, and she's like, really, are you sure? But it's, isn't it like a fantasy novel? I said, baby, I'm, it's Aslan. I'm not going to call him Harry Potter. <laughs> and... Uh, and so he's five and a half years old, and he is just, he's, he's amazing. He's going to change the world. If I can keep him alive until he is an adult, he's going to, he, he really, he's a little leader. He's just incredible. And uh, we got a little church in the Philippines called Favorite Church. And again, I just want to say, you guys are a part of that. You may not even realize it, uh, but you know, you, you supported us every single month financially. You sowed seed into our church, and God has just been really kind uh, to our church in the last eight years. In fact, in about, uh, what time is it? We're three hours ahead, so 11. Oh, it would just be finishing up. We've got a church in jail. Uh, in the Mundaluyong Women's Correctional Jail, and we just would have finished preaching to 950 women in maximum prison in our church. We have connect groups. We do new people. We welcome new people in the service is like, hey, any new murderers here in this room? And, uh, and it's, it's wild. So every morning, and then we have a meeting. We have about 1,200 women in our church in jail. It's incredible. They're a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. And so it's, uh, it's just incredible to see what God has just been doing in our church. And we've uh, been able to, to take on a school. We have a school for underprivileged kids that wouldn't be able to do anything at all. And then our church, it's just, it's, God's just been really kind. So that's who I am. That's what we're doing. Uh, but today, we're going to preach, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to eat. No, I'm just testing you. Aren't you on a fast? <laughs> I was just testing you. Um, so you're in the middle of a fast, and I'm about to start a fast tomorrow. So we've got our corporate fast tomorrow. We do five days. So you guys do 21. You are much more holy than my church. We only do five days, but we're starting tomorrow. And I was thinking a lot, I think a lot about fast. I think a lot about how we do things in church. And, and I've grown up in church my whole life. I, was, I wasn't always following Jesus, but I've kind of been around the church world and the church scene for a long time. And, and I think there's so many things that we do in church that sometimes we end up just doing it for the sake of doing it. Or we just do it because somebody else is doing it. And we don't fully understand really what we're doing or why we're doing it. And I think prayer and fasting is one of those things that so easily we can fall into this trap where we do it, but do we really understand what we're doing? If, if a lot of us were honest, I think 
A lot of times our prayer and fasting actually just turns into a hunger strike. Where it's more about not eating. Becomes more about, the, okay, I'm not going to eat. It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, right. Have you ever seen those people? Generally, those are coffee drinkers. <laughs> Come on, anyone fasting coffee in these three weeks? Come on, is, is there anybody? Oh, my gosh. Do you know how to fast? <laughs> Do you want me to change my message, Jason? Is there anybody dying to their flesh of being addicted to the drug of caffeine? Right? Usually coffee drinkers at fast are the grumpiest people during fast. Right? They're like, how you doing? I'm good. Shut up. Don't talk to me. Wow, the joy of the Lord is your strength, my friend. And a lot of times we end up, it ends up becoming more about what we're not eating rather than starving our flesh so that we can rely on being filled with God. I love what Pastor Jason said. The point of fasting, at its core, the point of fast. yes, we pray for breakthrough. Yes, we pray for anointing. Yes, we pray for God to do all these miracles. But really, the core of fasting is intimacy with my Father. It's starving my flesh of all the junk, all the mess, all the coffee, everything, so that I can, <gasps> I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Ah, I need to feed on Him. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But there's got to be something that's tangible that comes out of prayer and fasting. It challenges us to starve ourselves, to rely on God. But there has to be, I believe, a physical, practical choices on the outside that reflect what God is doing on the inside. Today, I just want to talk to you. Uh, the title of my sermon is The Power of Partnership. If we want to see our prayer and fasting be effective, we need to partner with the Holy Spirit. Firstly, let me tell you what prayer and fasting is not going to do. It's not going to make your year magically better. Right? Again, sometimes we teach the wrong things in church. Give! And God's going to bless you. And we think that God's going to bless us with more money. No. Why, why are you diluting God's blessing just to money? Right? So pray fast. This year's going to be the best year of your life. No. For some of you, it might be the worst year of your life. No, you know what I mean? Like every year, pastors get up. Come on. 2024. It's going to be a great year for you. Right? 2023 sucked for me and my wife. We lost in, in, in the span of six months. Her grandmother, her uncle, and her mother all passed away in the span of six months. That's it. That's it. 2023 was not the best year of our life. It was a terrible year. But... Within the storms, within the high waves, within the winds pounding us back and forth, we had a tangible sense of the presence of God. Praying and fasting doesn't make everything magically better. You know what it does? It makes you better. And so the wind and the waves and the storms, they're still going to be there. Your spouse still going to be there. Your children still going to be there. That boss is still going to be there. Huh? Whatever political party you don't like is still going to be there. I'm not going to get political. I know I can get thrown in jail. This is Melbourne. <sighs> Whatever it is, it's still going to be there. Prayer and fasting just doesn't make everything magically better. You know what I think that is such a foundational biblical principle that I don't think we realize actually has more of an effect on our lives is the idea of sowing and reaping. I think that sowing and reaping is 
is a biblical foundation that affects more of our life than what we think. This is how Paul talks about it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. So when we begin to pray and we fast and we begin to put away the distractions, the other things we've been filling ourselves up with our lives is when we kind of just wade through all those distractions and begin to focus on God, do you know what you're doing? You are sowing in the spirit. And as you sow in the spirit, I, I hope that you begin to pray for things. In the next five days in my life, I'm praying as I sow in the spirit. I'm praying for financial blessing this year in Jesus' name. Come on. I own two businesses. I, I'm, a business, I'm a pastor on the side. I love business. I'm praying my businesses explode this year. Come on. Any other business people? In the, put your hand up and say amen for that year. This year. Come on. I'm praying my businesses explode. I'm praying I become a better husband this year. So is my wife. I am praying I become a better parent this year. That my children become better this year in Jesus' name. I'm praying that my children church will explode and have greater influence this year. I'm praying that God will use me in everyday situations these years. I'm praying for breakthroughs in every area of my life, but will it just happen because I pray for it? Will it just happen because I didn't have coffee for a couple days? I'm going back to the coffee thing. This is what I think determines whether what you sow is actually what you reap. Ready? Ready? It's this. What's the soil that the seed is landing in? What's the soil of your heart? What's the soil of our hearts that the seed is landing in? And this is where, for example, as a pastor, as, as a leader maybe in your church, we can be the most highly talented, highly gifted leader. Ever I could get up here and prophesy, oh, who, ha, who, Right? I could prophesy, give the greatest word of God you've ever heard. I could throw out the greatest, most spiritually impacting seed you've ever seen, but it doesn't matter if it lands in bad soil. It doesn't matter if you don't actually water that soil. You and I are the only people that are responsible for our spiritual state. Don't blame your pastor. So many times people go to church and say, oh, it's just not meaty enough. The word, the word wasn't meaty enough. The gospel's pretty simple. How much meat do you want? Dare I say, I don't think the issue is with the meat. The issue is with the soil. What's the soil of our hearts? Let's go back to Paul. So Paul talks really plainly. He says, if you sow to please your flesh, you're going to reap destruction. So if you pray and you fast and you're doing all the right things or you come to church, you're just doing life, but you're still openly sinning. You're sleeping with someone that you're not married to. You're having no integrity in your business deals. You're being a glutton and overeating or you're lying, you're cheating, you're gossiping. You struggle with drunkenness. You, you do all these sins of the flesh. That's not healthy soil. So it doesn't matter how many times you come to church, if the soil of your heart 
If you've been sowing, you can sow good seed, but if you're sowing all these other things, it's corrupting your soil, and you can't sow sin and expect a blessing. Paul says, you sow these things, you sow these things in life, you're going to reap destruction. That's why there are many people that are in church who fast and pray, yet they feel like their life is hell. There's a lot of people that struggle, they come to church, and don't get me wrong, Jesus ain't going to make your life perfect. In fact, for some of us, Jesus makes our life a little bit harder, right? Anyone here ever given their heart to Jesus and your family wasn't thrilled about it? Anyone here ever listened to Jesus and did something and their family wasn't thrilled about it? So Jesus doesn't make your life easy all of a sudden at all. But what he does is he gives you peace. 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 If you come to church but your spirit feels like destruction, stop looking to the preacher to save you and start looking to the soil of your life. What's the soil in your life? Paul goes on to say that if you sow in the spirit, then you'll reap the ultimate reward, which is eternal life. So if your soil is spirit-filled soil, it actually doesn't matter how bad the seed is or how unmeaty the seed is. If you got good soil, a four-year-old kid could come up to you and lay hands on you and pray the most simplest prayer. And if that hits good soil, oh. Why? Because seed is seed, but it can only grow healthy if it lands in good soil. And so how do we do this? How do we make sure our soil is good? Well, it all, it's very simple, right? This is what it comes down to. We need to partner with the Holy Spirit. You want to have a blessed year this year? You want to have a great year this year? This is what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to fast. And then you need to partner with the Holy Spirit. So many times in church we do the first two, but we miss out on the third step. Because praying and fasting is good, but if there is no partnership with the Holy Spirit, once you finish praying and once you finish fasting, then you're going to go back to the exact same life that you had before. You'll just be a little skinnier, but how many of y'all know you put that weight right back on? This is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13. This is how Jesus describes him. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit actually wants to partner with you and I. Like It's not like he's sitting there trying to play hard to get. The Holy Spirit today is here and he's saying would you come and partner with me and Jesus describes that partnership as looking like this when you partner with the Holy Spirit he's going to guide you and not just guide you but guide you into all truth how many of y'all know you can be guided into bad things some people need to stop being guided from TikTok and Instagram reels, and you need to start being guided by the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into his truth, not your relative truth or what you believe this week, but by his truth. Partnering with the Holy Spirit allows his truth to actually guide us. He will tell you what's coming for the future. How many of y'all need wisdom for this year? Come on, I didn't see very many hands. How many of y'all come on, preach with me here today. How many need wisdom this year? I need wisdom. I'm a father. 
Any other parents? We need wisdom. Right? Any other humans? We, we need wisdom. And so when we partner with the Holy Spirit, he tells us in the future and what to do. He's actually giving us wisdom. As the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, when we're in partnership with him, that means when what we are doing is in partnership with the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're glorifying Jesus. And as we glorify Jesus with the Holy Spirit, there's no better person to do it with. Because everything the Holy Spirit does is glorify Jesus. And it says that the Spirit will receive directly from Jesus. So anything that you get from the Holy Spirit has come straight from Jesus. So you want the heart of Jesus? Partner with the Holy Spirit. You want the character of Jesus? Partner with the Holy Spirit. You want the mind of Christ? Partner with the Holy Spirit. You want the blessing of Jesus? Partner with the Holy Spirit. Because everything he has has come directly from Jesus. This is a partnership. But there's many different levels of partnership that you can have. The greatest type of partnership you can have is a partnership based on intimacy. So I own a couple of businesses, and, and I'm partners in these businesses. And, and one of the business, I'm, I'm kind of a small owner in it, and we do plastic. Instead of making plastic bags, we make bags out of a, a, a plant called cassava. And it's 100% biodegradable. And I'm not trying to sell you anything right now. I, <laughs> I know it's kind of sounded like that a little bit. But if you just want to go to the website. No, 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 it's not. Um, anyway, I, I, and so I'm in this business. I'm, I'm a small percentage owner, and I'm on the board of the business. And there's some other partners in this business. And, and I, don't, I actually don't really know them that well. In fact, one of the other board members, he's a partner, I'm a partner. I met him once on Zoom, right? So legally, we are business partners. Like legally, we're partners. But I don't really know him. Y'all get what I'm saying? So there's different levels of partnership here. Now, my life, in my life, I have a partner, and she's my wife. Oh, and she's so amazing. She is everything that I am not. And she just makes my life better, and she's great. And we have a partnership. We have a partnership built on trust, built on love. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, our partnership was tested greatly. Uh, we went on a vacation together, and so we went up to a place in the Philippines called La Union. And, uh, and in the Philippines, like 99% of the beaches in the Philippines are just placid, you know, like just no waves, no waves, right? But then there's a couple beaches in the Philippines that have waves. And this one place, it's, it's a surf coast, La Union. And, and my, my kids are very white, but they're very Pinoy. Uh, and, and so they, they went, they saw the, the waves, and they're like, ah, they're freaking out. They love it because they, they don't really know waves. My wife and I spent, you know, my wife's Australian. I spent 20 years here, so we know how to do waves, right? You know, you just want to want to test yourself. Go down to Gunamata. <laughs> do a bit of body surfing. Hope you don't die, right? All right, like you grow up, you swim in waves here in, in Australia. And so my kids are loving it. We're right on the beach. My son is just psychotic. He's just like, Dad, I love the waves. It's gnarly, right? And I'm like, who, who even taught you that word? And he goes, I love it when it smashes me, Dad. I'm like, what is your problem? <laughs> he loves it. He just, he, you know when you want to avoid the crash of the wave? My son stands there. <laughs> Bam, he gets smashed. So um, one afternoon, they've been, they've been in the waves a few times. And my kids are pretty good swimmers. My youngest is five and a half, so they can all kind of swim. And so uh, we go down there, and they're running down. And the rule was you're not allowed to go in the ocean without, without a parent standing there watching. So 
I'd already gotten changed for dinner. I, I'm there, I'm looking good. I'm looking good. I'm changed for dinner. They're having sort of a sunset swim. My wife is on the phone to her father, and she's still dressed in her swimwear. And so I'm watching the kids, and the waves are, are you know, there's a strong current coming. The waves are going, and my kids sort of, yeah, the three of them, they begin to go a little bit out, you know. And so I'm there. I got eyes. I got eyes. I'm good. I'm a strong swimmer. I'm good, right? I got eyes. And I'm, and I'm there, and, and I'm watching them. So my eldest daughter, Hope, I'm like, Hope, Hope. Right? Isn't that such a dad move? Hope. <laughs> right? So they, they start going out a little bit. There, there is like a group of 50 Filipinos on this beach watching these three little white kids, right, in the ocean by themselves, right? And just the dad just, come in, Hope. Anyway, so instead of coming in, they, they drifted a little bit further out, right? So then your voice changes. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, hope, hope, you know, that, just that change. Hope, 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 coming out. And then she started saying something. I couldn't hear her. The waves were crashing. And then all of a sudden, my wife, now, you know how sometimes you have different styles of parents? And then they marry each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like the loose dad. I'm cool dad. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, they'll learn. If they break their arm, it's a good life lesson, right? That's, that's how I look at it. My wife wants to break my arm because I think that way. And so all of a sudden, my wife starts running by me. She's like, James, I'm going in, right? And I'm like looking at her, I'm looking at my kids, and they're kind of, you know, the waves are getting big, and my wife runs by. I just like, in my head, I hear, duh, 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 which is the beginning of the intro of the Baywatch song. <laughs> For anyone old enough to remember that song, some people need, right? So she starts, she runs in, right? The Filipinos are there watching. Now the crazy white girl is now rushing. She throws me her phone. She starts running in. Now my wife, used to swim at a national level here in Australia. Like, she's a swimmer. Like, she's a swimmer, swimmer. So I look at her, and I'm like, partnership. <laughs> she can handle this, right? She gets in there. The kids have drifted a little bit farther up. My two daughters, who are older, are, like, starting to freak out, right? And they're not freaking out because they can't swim, but they're freaking out because my son, who's five and a half, was kind of like trying to, now the problem with my son is when he swims, he can swim, but he looks like he's drowning every time he swims. And it's so frustrating because I know he's not drowning, but the 50 Filipinos on the beach don't know he's not drowning. They're like, oh my God, the white boy, the white boy, you need to go in, you need to go in. Sir, sir, your baby. I'm like, it's, it's okay, he's okay. And then my son's like, <laughs> but he's not, guys, he wasn't drowning, I promise you, he's cool, he's cool. So my wife gets in there, she grabs the two girls, right? She grabs them, and, and, and then I can see, she turns around, and then she's struggling to stand. And I can see in a moment, let me tell you, when you know someone, you can read their eyes. And she turned around, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I saw in her eyes, if you wanna stay married to me, <laughs> Get in the ocean now. And so in that moment, I ripped off my shirt. The 50 Filipinos are like, ooh, hello, sir. Right? I ripped off my shirt. I gave my phone to this Filipino lady. I'm like, can you please hold it? She's like, oh, yeah. I run in. Right? It was like the Hasselhoff just running in. 
white man Hoff going in, and I jump in. I grab one of the kids. I throw them out. My daughter gets out. Hope, she's just angry. She's not even angry at someone. She's angry. She's like, I hate the ocean. She's just yelling at this guy. I hate the ocean. My son walks out. Chill. He's like, Dad, can I go back in? I'm like, there are different levels of partnership. Right? My business partner I don't know well. My wife, I can read her eyes 50 meters away in an ocean. The level of partnership that the Holy Spirit desires, it doesn't matter about you for a second, that he desires. He doesn't want a business partnership with you. He wants a partnership that is more intimate than even the one that you would have with a spouse. The intimacy of the Father is something that could never, ever be replaced by any other human. The intimacy that he wants with us, it's this partnership that would actually say, hey, I, I want to put you in the middle of my life. I, I, I ran a, um, a business group a couple of years ago, particularly during COVID where things were going crazy in, in the Philippines. We had some lockdowns, like, like the Philippines and Melbourne. We were like lockdown brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to comment on leadership. I'm just saying we were lockdown brothers and sisters. And so we had this lockdown. And I, and I talked on this concept of partnering with the Holy Spirit with some of our business guys. And I actually said, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you because so many times we come to church like this and we hear methods. Partner with the Holy Spirit. And we're like, yeah, amen, right? And then we walk out and it's like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean? So I began to challenge him. I said, when you partner with the Holy Spirit, this is what I want you to do. I want you to leave a chair empty at your business meetings, right? I said, leave it empty. And don't be weird about it. Some people are like, oh, who's sitting in that chair? It's, it's the chair of the Holy Spirit. He is with us. Right? You don't have to be weird about it. Just leave it empty. Even when you're in your office alone, have a chair and leave it there. This is what partnership with the Holy Spirit means. Before you make any decision, you look and go, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Remember, what does he do? He guides us into truth. Tells us the future. Gives us wisdom, right? And so when we actually begin to partner with the Holy Spirit, it means that before you discipline your children, you actually go, Holy Spirit, what should I do in this moment? Before you get home from work at the end of the day and you're tired, you go, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do when I walk in the door right now? Before you go make a business deal, before you go to work that day, you're actually looking and going, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? But you know what stops us from doing this? And we all know this, but sometimes we need a refresher. You know, the simple, the simple, simple thing that stops us is our pride. That's honestly what it is. Our pride is what stops us from doing this. Do you know pride at its core? Now, there, there's many fruits of pride, arrogance, insecurity. A lot of people just think that pride is arrogance. It, it's, actually, it's actually not. That's just one small fruit of our. Do you know what pride is at its very core? The most simplest uh, description I've ever come across is this. is Pride at its core is I don't need God. If you think about it, if you think about it, if pride is there and all sin comes out of pride, essentially it's I don't need God. Do you know what humility is? Humility is the exact opposite. Humility is, ah, I need God. Pride, I don't need him. So I don't, if I got pride, I don't need to partner with him. Because I don't know, I can work this out myself. Come on, how many of y'all have worked things out yourself and it didn't end well? Right? We work things out because we don't need God. And so you might be sitting there going, well, well I'm not prideful. Yeah, yeah, maybe you don't, you're not arrogant. 
But are there moments in our life where we haven't consulted the Holy Spirit? Because if there are, that's pride. And pride comes between us and God. But I love what James says. James chapter 4, verse 10, very famous scripture. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Here's what humility does. We humble ourselves, he will lift us up. And in his lifting up, we come into a partnership. Humility always leads, listen, humility always leads to a post-encounter partnership. In church, I, I love the presence of God. I love encounter. I love crying and being on the ground and kneeling and wailing and all. I, I love it all. I love the encounter with God. I th- I've, I've had some of the most beautiful encounters with God. But the encounter with God, the prayer and fasting in the next two more weeks that we have, honestly, it's pointless unless humility brings us into a partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's pointless. When I was 13 years old, I went on a youth camp. I lived in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, so I went to a Baptist church called Crossway Baptist, a massive big church over there. I went on a youth camp, and a man named Russell Evans preached, never heard of him before, he preached, pulled me out of the crowd, prophesied over me, prophesied some of the things I'm doing today when I was 13 years old, crying, weeping under the presence of God. It was incredible. I went home from that camp, and I said to my parents, I will never be in the ministry. I had this amazing encounter, but my pride as a 13-year-old, ain't no way I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. And so I just began to live my life and do whatever I wanted. Had another encounter at another youth camp when I was 14. Come on, praise God for youth camps. Amen. Although it didn't work with me, but I'm just saying praise God for youth camps. Had another encounter when I was 14. I was sitting there crying, hugging my older sister. We're crying together, everything. But did it change my life? No. Not because it was all hype and emotionalism. No, no, no. It was real. I just walked out and let my pride overwhelm my humility, and I never partnered with the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I was uh, 17, had an encounter with God. Something pretty significant happened to me. I had an encounter with God. Felt his presence. But again, walked out. Nothing really changed because I didn't partner with the Holy Spirit. When I was 22, I think, I've shared, I think I shared the story here before. When I was 22, I got married. I was married for nine weeks, and nine weeks into my marriage, my wife passed away. Suddenly, no medical reason why, insane. They did an autopsy, and I'm 22 years old. It happened on a Sunday morning. That Sunday night, I have an encounter with God. I, I go to my church. My sister needed to pick up something from church, and so we walk there, and I walk into the building, and I just said, uh, I'm a worshiper. I love to worship, so I sat on the piano uh, like my friend here. Definitely wasn't as good looking. And I did not have those tattoos. I feel safe with you on stage right now. I feel like, I literally feel like I have a bodyguard playing piano for me as we're about to encounter God together. We got this, bro. Anyway, so I start playing the piano. I have, I have, I won't go into detail, but I basically have up until that point in my life, the most unbelievable, manifest, tangible encounter with the presence of God rocks me and it shakes me 12 hours after my wife has died. Do you know the difference between that moment and the other moments that I talked about? Honestly, the moments were amazing. 
the prayer and the fasting, it was, it was amazing, right? It's, it's the moments, the encounter, it's amazing. But the thing that makes that moment stand out from February 4, 2007 on a Sunday evening, the reason why it stands out, it wasn't so much the moment, but it was the decision that I made that when I walked out of there, I was going to take that moment and I was going to partner with the Holy Spirit and I was going to allow Him to rule my life. And so now, what, like 17 odd years later, whatever it is, I've now done things that other people would call crazy, other people call stupid, people can't believe some of the decisions I've made, right? Not bad decisions, just things like moving my wife to the Philippines, taking risks, stepping out in faith, doing different things. And people have gone, how did it? And I go, well, when you partner with the Holy Spirit, what seems crazy to you just seems like the next step in our relationship because it's a partnership. And the longer that you partner with the Holy Spirit, the more you begin to trust him. And so when he says jump at the beginning, you're like, are you sure, Holy Spirit? And he's kind. Yes, come, I got you. Then by year three, he's like, jump. You're like, cool, where? And then he takes you, goes, okay, jump. But God, you haven't, just jump. Okay, partnership, I trust you. I trust you. Prayer and fasting, I don't, I don't want to preach on prayer and fasting today. This is kind of your message for post this couple weeks. Enjoy the next two weeks. Treat the next two weeks like a towel, like you're trying to rinse out every single bit of God in these next two weeks. But, 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 don't just make it about the next two weeks. The next two weeks has to be the launch pad that you then walk out and go, oh, my humility leads me to partner with God. And once you partner with the Holy Spirit, the soil of your heart will become so pure. It will become so spiritual that you'll begin to see seeds just coming in, seeds of blessing, seeds of favor, seeds that will come and they will be sown in the Spirit. They will land in spiritual soil and it will reap spiritual rewards. I'm not promising an easy year. I'm promising a blessed year. I'm not promising an easy relationship with Lord. I'm promising you a peaceful relationship with the Lord. Oh, give me peace over the world's success any day of the week. I would rather peace. I would rather peace. I had a, a girl in our church walk up to me at the beginning of last year. And I didn't, I didn't know who she was. Evidently, she was a very famous girl in the Philippines. And she walked up to me. She goes, Pastor, can I just talk to you? I'm like, yeah. She goes, I got a decision to make. And if I, if I, I don't feel any peace right now because I'm doing something that's wrong. But if I admit that I'm doing it wrong, it's going to hurt my career. A lot of people are going to get hurt. But I just have no peace. And I said, your peace matters more than your career. I said, give me, give me a good night's sleep over money. You can have all the money in the world, but if you can't sleep at night. About six months later, she came back to me. She's like, Pastor, I did it. And I didn't realize what she had done. But apparently she made a lot of people angry. <laughs> apparently a lot of people were angry at her. But she said, Pastor, I did it. It hurt, but I have peace. I'm sleeping well at night. I'm like, oh, it'll be okay. You'll have to walk through. You'll have to grow through the pain. A life with Jesus is not a painless life, but it is a peace-filled life. It's a peace that Paul tells us that we can't even fully comprehend. It's, it's this wonderful, wonderful peace. But it comes from good soil. Matthew chapter, I think it's Matthew chapter 13. 
There's a beautiful parable that Jesus tells about the sower and the seed. And he throws the seed out. And it lands in different types. It lands in the rocky ground. It lands where there's stones. It lands where there's thorns. And then it lands in good soil. And you know what I love about that parable? Same seed. Same seed. Different soil. It wasn't the seed that determined the growth. It was the soil that determined the growth. That's why I can preach this message today. One person will walk out going, oh, that was the greatest sermon I've ever heard in my life. My whole world's changed. Another person will walk out and go, Psh, he wasn't that funny. Why? It's not about me. I'm just throwing seed. It's the soil of your heart. It's that soil. In order to even get that soil, you know what you first need, though? You need to actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to worship and if Pastor Jason would allow me, I think we could turn this into just a little mini prayer meeting today. We're in the middle of prayer and fast, so let's go there. I love it. Let's go there. But you got to understand, you can't pray to a God you don't have a relationship with. In Romans chapter 3, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I love that verse. It's a feels like a dark verse, but I feel it's a very liberating verse because it means that the person sitting next to you is as screwed up as what you are. Come on, someone say amen. Look at them right now in the face and go, yeah, I know you messed up, right? Isn't that good? Because of that little word, we've all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, right? A couple chapters later, Paul tells us that the result of that sin that has actually separated us from God, all the sin, the things that we've done that are outside how God would want us to live, it separates us from God, and the result of that is eternal separation from God. But... There's a good but here. But the free gift of Jesus Christ is eternal life. And a few chapters later in Romans chapter 10, he says this, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And that's just not some nice little thing like, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. No, it's really understanding who he is. It's understanding that 2,000 years ago, Jesus chose to leave heaven to come down to earth. See, that sin that I just talked about that separated us from God, there needs to be a price that is paid for that sin. Someone has to pay that price. In the Old Testament, if you ever get to read the Bible, in the Old Testament, that, that price was paid for by the blood of animals that were poured out. In the New Testament, though, this is where we have Jesus. And Jesus came. He lived a sinless life perfect life. He allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be beaten and bruised. He allowed himself to have nails hammered into his hands and his feet. He allowed himself to be put up on that cross because in that whole mess that was happening, he was taking your sin and my sin away from us. And he took it upon himself. But you know what? I love the story of Easter. I love Sunday. I love the story of Easter. Good Friday, it's okay. But Sunday, because on Good Friday, he took our sin away from us. But on Sunday, when he rose from the dead, he broke the power of sin once and for all. You struggle with sin. You struggle. Uh, I know God. I want to serve him. But I keep going back to my thing, my thing. Let me tell you, Jesus broke the power of sin when he rose supernaturally from the grave. And so that's what, what Paul says, hey, confess and believe in him. He's not just saying believe in a story. He's saying believe in who Jesus is, that he died for the forgiveness of your, you and me and our sins. Maybe you're here today, you've never made this decision before. Maybe you're here, you, you made this a long time ago, but you walked away from God. Life happened. 
I'm just glad you're in the room today. I want to give you a chance to respond. Then we're all going to pray and worship. But before we do that, can we all just bow our heads, close our eyes just for a moment? You're saying, James, that's me. I'm that first person. I've never, ever done this before. Or you're saying, James, I'm that second person. I did this a long time ago, but I walked away. I'm just going to count to three. And when I get to three, if that's you, I'd love you to put up your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you right where you sit today. If that's you, on the count of three, you lift your hands. One, two, three, right now, all over this room. Is there anyone that would say yes today to Jesus? Awesome. Thank you here. Beautiful. Two people over here. Thank you. A couple more people on the side over here. Thank you, Jesus. Over here, a couple people here. Thank you, Lord. Here again in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. Up here in the back. Thank you. That's wonderful. Beautiful. If you lifted your hand, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on your heart if you lifted your hand. We're all going to pray a prayer together, simply reflecting that scripture in Romans. Everyone's going to pray it, but those people that lifted your hand, I really want you to mean these words with all your heart. So come on, why don't we pray together? Say, dear Lord Jesus, come to you right now, and I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, but you defeated death. You broke the power of sin in my life. So right now I ask, please come into my life. Please be my Lord and Savior. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.